Hey everyone and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So before I go into the podcast, there is a brand new female follows program starting on the 8th of January. So if you are looking to work with me for a very cheap price, weeks of coaching where you get tailored nutrition, you get your tailored macros, you get your tailored calories, you get an option of training at home or in the gym. So you don't have to spend endless hours at home or in the gym and go out and buy expensive equipment for January. You also have weekly lives with me. You also have accountability. You can have someone that you can be reliable on. You can have someone that can help you to be motivated, help you to understand why things aren't going the way you're going. can help you to get rid of the all or nothing approach. To know that someone's in your corner when it comes to January after you may have overindulged at Christmas, which is completely normal, by the way. So then you also have eight weeks of coaching. You get everything tailored to you. And that price is 99 euro. It is normally 149 euro for eight weeks of coaching with weekly check-ins, everything, individual coach, everything tailored to you. And it's a Facebook group. So if you're interested in the female fat loss program starting on the 8th of January, click on the link in the show notes and book your place. The price will go up. The price will go up. Once it hits a certain number of early bird offers of 99 euro, the price will go up. So before I go into the episode today, I want to say this is an episode that I recorded with a good part of mine. I flew over to Glasgow for this episode, so it was a full-on day. So it's great to have those interviews when you kind of pop out and get a day out. So I flew over to Glasgow to see Gavin, and this is an episode, uh, an interview that I did with him, and it's from his podcast. And I really love the interview because it's very open and honest. It's very raw, unedited. It's... It's a little bit it's a little bit out of my comfort zone. It's something that I haven't spoken to anyone about, probably about an awful lot of it. The first half anyway, I haven't spoken to an awful lot of people about particularly what kinda happened in December twenty uh, December nineteen. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you enjoy the episode, please do tag us up on your story. Please leave a review up on iTunes and Spotify. As always, thank you so much for your support and I hope you enjoy the episode with Gavin. I can help you with that, mate. Yeah. I can help you with that. Because even I know everyone has those road mics, and I was like, I'm not spending 250 quid on a mic. They're only 100 quid. They're 250 on Amazon. Are they? Yeah. So maybe put them up because everyone's... Yeah, I'd say so. Probably because Sean's got everyone on. But I think there's a certain thing with... Is there not like... If you you don't have an iPhone, you have to go a different adapter for if it's um, uh, Android. Probably, yeah. I would say so. So But that's your fault for getting an Android, to be fair. Whatever. (laughs) Steve Jobs is dead. Um, what I actually wanted to, I know I'm at, you're making me fucking nervous now because I'm sitting open with my it's fucking right, questions right, like that. Um, I wanted to actually go back and, uh, cause you said on one of your podcasts as well, you don't speak about like your, where you came from enough. So I actually, I told you that on your podcast as well, then I wanted to yeah, go more into that. Yeah, cause I found that, cause I think you and yourself and Oshin were kind of very, think you were very close together when I was doing them. And I got mad massive feedback from like clients and particularly the ones I've had for a long time. They're like, you need to talk about this stuff more. Yeah. It's like, it's all well and good talking about fucking PCOS and all this kind of stuff as much as you want. But that must have been rough for you, to be fair. But PCOS. I was, it was horrible. (laughs) The extra hertzism and the acne and the (laughs) missing cycles. I might think I have <laughs> excess hair growth. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. I think, I, I think you can. I think there is male PSOS. 
Well, I probably suffer from it, I reckon. <laughs> I'll label myself right now. Harry Kant Ovary Syndrome. <laughs> um, so all I know really is that you, your mental health was on the floor and you started doing Joe Wicks. That's all I've really heard okay, you speak well, about. I'll go into it, yeah. I'll go, around. I'll go into it then. Or is it too dramatic? No, no, I, I've, I've spoken about it previously with some. I know some people have kind of found a little bit uh, triggering and stuff, but I'll happily talk about it. So it was recruitment you were doing? Yeah, so I worked in recruitment from first when I left school. I was a bit lost as we were talking in the car on the way over. I was a bit lost, didn't know what I wanted to do. And then kind of went into the bank and left the bank shortly after because uh, I just didn't enjoy it at all. And then went into sales and recruitment just as a way to kind of make money. I was okay at recruitment. The money was was grand. Wasn't didn't wasn't overly enthusiastic about it. And then kind of did that for six seven years. But there's always a void. And I know in yeah, I was just, I, there was a gap missing. I was kind of like I don't want to work for someone else. Like I'm working this hard to make this part. I could see how much on the board because the board was in front of me where I sat in the office. Like I'm making this amount of money for this person. And I'm getting this amount. Why this is this is annoying me. Yeah yeah. And then on, so April, 2017, I went into a new recruitment agency or started a new different job. Um, and on the Monday, started that job. And then on the Saturday, I was admitted to hospital. So on the Saturday morning, I woke up with fluid on my, I woke up with blood clots. So we didn't know what it was. So this arm was about probably that big. Fluid in the elbow was really like, it was, it was, it was like, water in like a plastic bag it was that kind of feeling and then there was a rash on the forearm here so i went into hospital you just woke up and that just was like woke up i was like jesus the gym's really working <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because <laughs> i was doing joe wicks <laughs> um that's the clip mm -hmm. um and then like i kind of ran my parents it's kind of like this is weird and i was like oh it should calm down like he went home and played golf and then mom was like i was kind of like two three o'clock in the afternoon still hadn't subsided actually getting worse it wasn't sore um and i rang my mate's and uh, now husband and he said well yeah you need to go into the hospital um you need to go to vhi vhi couldn't do anything which is kind of like the one of the insurance companies uh and went into the clinic they're like can't read anything i'll give you a letter to skip the queue to go into a and e so I drove myself into a and e with my mom in the car that was silly um and <laughs> was laying on a bed for about 24 hours and then eventually they're like all right you can have a bed so i went in was in hospital for a week they couldn't figure out what was going on they're like you're 29 years of age why are you getting this we don't know what it is i knew i had a feeling they knew what it was but I, they were afraid to say what it was so on the i think i went in on saturday about tuesday i went in to one of the specialists and they were trying to find the blood clots they got one of those machines that they use in pregnant women and the last thing the the doctor tried was to actually put my arm up out straight. Um, and they found it just kind of in here in the collarbone. They found like a, you could see it on the on the screen that there was like a black dot. I was like, like, was like blood is dark. So they could see it there. And then they found the other one down here. So they're like, right, you need to go and get surgery. So they opened up. I'm oh, sorry. I get really queasy, by the way. <laughs> I like, I'm really uneasy. There's something oh, I said. Fucking, I was like, well, well less detail, less detail. <laughs> so, uh, I, so they were like, right, you need to get surgery tomorrow. So I was awake for the surgery. Screen here in front of me. 
they put in like a tube with a balloon on, opened up the balloon, oh. and they opened up the vein, and then the thing released. Uh, and then you could see the the arm kind of go down. So I was in hospital for a week, and then meanwhile the old job were kind of ringing me nonstop, kind of sussing out like what was going on when you coming back is in recruitment if you they, the whole motto in recruitment is if you're not in you're not paying for your desk so they really didn't give it a shit they were like well we're paying you a salary you're not paying your salary here by being sick so was, yeah. as in you pay to make money on this desk yeah so basically we're paying you a salary but you're not here even after two weeks we're still paying you here but you're not actually making us any money so what's actually going on here I was like shit buzz <laughs> uh, so I just kind of kind of said after about two weeks I was like went in against my judgment but what what actually happened with the blood clot like so how why why that happened still don't know still don't know I generally put it down to probably being depressed I wasn't looking after myself in my 20s like I wasn't doing drugs or something but I was going out at night out I'd been through a breakup uh, recently probably about two two and a half years before that that's about two and a half year relationship um and kind of went out in the pace i was kind of fell into the wrong crowd was playing football and the football lads were big drinkers so i kind of fell into that crowd uh and just felt myself kind of changing i was kind of like a little bit lost and i say it was like it was depression like if i'm being honest about it um and then i went back into the office about two weeks later and within half an hour i collapsed on the floor with fluid on my lungs and i was rushed to hospital again so yeah that was my body was just completely utterly shutting down. So I'd obviously got an infection in the hospital and my body was just completely utterly shutting down. So I had to get the surgery open again to get the fluid out of my lungs. So whatever they did. Is that uh, from another clot? They think it was linked to it, but they think it was just an infection from the hospital. My body was just completely like. Weak. Yeah, you're on your your immune systems already. I was fucked. Uh, so after that, Kind of was like right i have to quit my job uh, i was advised by the doctor i wasn't allowed to work for a good while they kind of states mentioned 12 months i was kind of like mm, we'll see um i'll ignore you <laughs> i'll politely decline <laughs> thanks for your advice but i didn't ask for it so i i sorry like six weeks afterwards father's day was happening and there's a photo on my phone. I think it's still on my phone. There's a photo of me on Father's Day with my dad in the living room. And I have the photo. If I showed the photo, I, I've showed the photo to my dad since. He's like, who's that in the photo? I was like, that's me. I like, did. Have you ever posted this on Instagram? Yeah. Was, I'll, I've seen it. Because there was a few. I was like, whoa, that's mad. Yeah. So I have one and a half hair. So you may not recognize me. But I, I lost about 10 kg in about six weeks. After hospital? After hospital. I just couldn't eat went into my room, wouldn't come out, would literally come down to get the meals and go back up and just kind of do nothing. Were you living at home in this time as well? Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, I was just completely lost. And then this is where the link, you found me on Brian Keane's, I think. So yeah. this is where the link with Brian Keane came in. So Brian Keane's a podcaster in Ireland, if anyone's not aware, and he's in fitness and health. And he said, I don't know how, I, I never listened to a podcast in my life. And the first podcast I listened to, he said on it, stop caring what other people think. And as soon as I heard that sentence, I rang my dad and I was like, I need to go to talk to someone. And he was like, oh, we've known that for a while, but there was no point in me 
or us pushing you because you wouldn't have done it. So then dad opened up about his mental health struggles when he was um, when he was working, there was an accident at work and stuff and he fell into because I remember the, I remember seeing him now that he was quite gaunt when we were kind of growing up at one stage and he was really struggling. But I was put that on that class from your dad, by the way, because not many people of that generation are able to do that. Yeah, and I would have but you know what you put your parents you can, people can put their parents up as like particularly dads anyway like superman i was like if he if he if, and this is what the logic in my head a thought process at the time was like if he can do it well then i can do it if it's okay for me to do it well then i'm gonna do it um so i went to the gp and said right, i need to go and this is how i'm feeling she was like here's here's some antidepressants i was like i don't really want to take them she's like well here's some antidepressants i was like you're not listening to me but i'll take them anyway so I started taking them. And what like, were they? I can't remember what they were. Like I tried to block that bit out. So like this piece of thing over here is red. That would look great to me when I went on them. I, I sounded drunk all the time. and I just felt weak, felt like literally had no energy. From what I've heard that most people describe it as like numb. I was numb. I literally got, I, and I've known people personally who have gone on them since and they felt the same. They Don't get me wrong. They do work for people. But that wasn't what I needed. I've been talking about this quite a lot because I've had quite a few instances where clients have went to GPs and stuff, and I just, I'm like, you just don't have time to, or you don't have time or any solution to give to these people, and the only thing you have is medication, and that I find hard to deal with. But at the same time, you want to not slag it off because there's people that it will save their life at the same time. It's yeah. like really hard to talk about. Uh, yeah, and that GP is no longer a GP. Your one. Yeah, and that's not a dig at her. She that's she was doing her job at that time, but I always struggled to go back to her because of it. I was like, because I used to go to her dad. Her dad was my GP initially, and she was the daughter. She took over the surgery, but I always struggled. Whatever advice she gave me after that, I just felt hurt by it because he put so much faith and trust. It's almost like you're broken and you need this. You need a pill to fix it. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what it sort of feels like when it's like not like why. Yeah. And then in fairness, she kind of said like there's a name we can go to to go and talk to. So I went to talk to Sharon. I've never done. I'd never done therapy in my life. Went to Sharon. Sharon just I, I just happened to be that she was um, she used to compete as a bodybuilder. But she was very no nonsense. And I think that's probably where I get my no nonsense approach from now. Like my dad's very no nonsense and my mom would be quite cutting at times and in a nice way and then she was very cutting um and i went to her and she what was she she was a therapist and within the medical system no like so guys she was, you she are, was private okay how did you find her gp gp kind of said there's this place you can go to Connolly counseling uh in dublin which is probably about 15 minutes from my house so that's paid for I had to pay for it privately because okay. um, it's very hard to get people a lot of people ask me now like how did you find your therapist and he was my old podcast producer so the guy who was sat there and produced my pod like changed the camera yeah. and he used to do therapy in the studio so i used to speak to him all the time and i was his i was his podcast client and then i was like are we too close for you to do therapy and he was like just not close like just bef like if we kept on doing it he was like i can still take you on as a therapist client so I fell into it. Okay. Like as in I just met him randomly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I would not, I remember I tried to get therapy the year before and I just Googled people and the only ones that I could find that I like sort of related to had never heard from them. 
Yeah, it, it's a lot of trust to put in because the big thing that people feel is a fear of judgment. And that was my big thing because my way, having gone through the whole process, which Aaron, I was, I did it probably for the first three months, once a week. Um, so it was full on. And then you'd had homework afterwards. And then the second three months was kind of like every two weeks. Um, and I was still doing the homeworks and stuff. And then after about six months, I kind of just felt like January weight had lifted off my shoulder. It just felt like content. I knew there was stuff still to be worked on and still there always is. But I felt a lot more at ease having spoken about it with her and kind of navigated a few things. But don't get me wrong, there's still stuff that crops up about it. It was validation from other people, acceptance from other people. Like I was severely bullied. My whole depression came from the need to be liked by other people because I was severely bullied as a kid in primary school. What ages and what uh, what for? Physical and emotional. Uh, so from the age of about seven to probably about 14. And then I had severe acne in secondary school and I just completely withdrew. Like I went to that school that I went to to play sports. And that was the reason I chose it. I didn't play a sport because I cared what other people think because it was a massive like rugby school. And you get a rugby? I was meant to. <laughs> Tomasa rugby. School. I could have been. <laughs> could have been. Well, would have been. Um, so I was. I went to that school to play sports, and I kept getting called in by the head of the year, and it's like you need to go and do something. I was like, I'm not doing it, and they're like, kept giving out, kept giving out, and I was like, I'm not doing it. So, did I, you have any friends? I had. I had two or three mates that were really, really close. One from the age of four that I went to secondary school with as well. And then the two lads uh, as well. And But they brought in other people in. So like, I have a group now of 18 from school that we'd be in a WhatsApp group. We'd have the Christmas dinner. We'd have everything together. So it's like, because of that branch out that I kept those two or three or had those two or three, should I say, that it allowed me to kind of branch out to the other people who I may not have spoken to. Like if, if I was, if I went in, I always used to get dropped into school really early. I would just sit in an empty classroom and I would be a communal area. It would be like table tennis or whatever, or pool or whatever it may be in the school. And I would just go into the, into the, the classroom and just kind of sit there on my own, waiting for the class to start. And even on yard, like we play football at break and that would be my release, but I wouldn't play sports as a, as a social thing. Were you depressed in school then, do you think? I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say I've had situational depression. I'd, I'd say I've had traumatic grief, a lot of PTSD kind of stuff. From my, that? Yeah, like the, the bullying in primary school was probably the worst. Like I remember getting my head shoved in. So we had used to have these railings and my head was pushed into one of those and tried to get, tried to push my head through the railing. Um, like head pushed into grass head pushed into like tarmac yeah it wasn't nice and it kind of it does it does defeat you like i remember like i just just didn't really talk to people and then when it came to like talking to girls like my hairline non-existent <laughs> non-existent and like it'd be so fucking awkward like. i think that so when i i done like a full podcast on my experience with therapy and i try i tried my best to be as honest as possible that's why and I've I have seen quite a lot of PTs coming out and saying like they have meant like the mental health struggles or whatever, and they're like, oh, but now I'm out the other end of it. But they never mention what like anything about what it happened, what actually happened. And I always think that's just for likes, if you know what I mean. Like I think it's very easy to just say, oh, I struggled, but not mention. 
uh, mention anything. But it could also be a they're not ready to to get yeah, to that chapter because there is a process. Like if you, if you had asked me six years ago to mention what it was, I wouldn't have been able to say it. Yeah. But fair. now you're kind of a lot more accepting of it. Like, does it does it define me? No. But I also do think that health scare that I had in 2017, scariest thing that ever happened, but also the best thing that happened because I had bought sleeping tablets shortly after that Father's Day photo. Uh, and I was just, so that I had bought the tablets on the Sunday. I'd heard the podcast with Brian on the Monday. It's the day after. And the tablets are going to arrive on the Friday. You got overdose on them. That was the plan. I took taking sleeping tablets. I was going to take sleeping tablets. Fucking hell. Um, but so I, I tried to be as honest as possible on that podcast. And I think so many men struggle and they don't, they don't figure out how bad it is until it crops up with women. I think that's where, or like, well, if, only if you're straight, but I think that's the thing that kills men the most is like struggling with women. I think that's what my, mine's always just, I used to be all right until I got in a relationship and then my head would just be absolutely fried. And I always found, I always find when you dig a little bit deeper, it's like usually crops. I suppose you had a job that you absolutely hated, yeah. but I found like the self, the low self-esteem would come up whenever I was properly like vulnerable, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like there's times kind of like my self-worth can drop quite quickly. Like if I am my self-esteem, so self-worth is how you see yourself. Self-esteem is basically how you think other people are thinking of you. So I know when I first- like I would say esteem for myself then. Yeah. Like as an adult, I think I think about myself fine until I get in a vulnerable situation, then I'll overthink. Yeah, and I, and I, I I would openly say that I still do struggle to like open up their sitters that wall of kind of like, I'll let you into a certain point. And it's kind of like, it has to be drip fed in. I won't just go. Yeah, cause it's too scary. Yeah, like I find a podcast easier to talk to than other things. Like it's just like, right, this is just press record gone. I find it easier that way. Uh, like I think on the podcast that I've done is like this episode 11 and that's, the open story about what's going on, but this is next level to it. Like this is the next step of that. But I wouldn't have been able to do that when I recorded that episode five years ago. Yeah. Um, but it does. Like I know I know the self-esteem thing, the self-worth thing does ramp up. But like I took myself out of when I got sick, I was single for five and a half years or five years. And I was just like I wasn't able to one, I didn't want to, but I also threw myself too much into the working the mad hours of PT, thinking that was going to fill a void. And what I was actually looking for was a sense of belonging. I'm not trying to play the sympathy card with this job, but it is lonely. Um, like you are locked in a room talking to a screen or to WhatsApp or through a microphone for kind of like 10, 12 hours a day. Well, that's why I work from here now. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, and I've I've... I can see like maybe the maybe having having a, a different workplace or getting one of those communal work venues or working in a coffee shop probably will be best. But when you said to kind of come over, I was like, one hundred percent. I'll just get out, do something, get to talk, get to see sunny Glasgow. Oh yeah, 
Fucking air I, I saw the sunny side. <laughs> seen the council flats in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. I saw Parkhead. <laughs> Haven't seen Parkhead <laughs> for about 13 years. Um, I was actually going to what therapy was actually like, what type of therapy you'd done and just what, because for me, right, two or three months in, you just started like digging really deep into Oh, Sharon went full on deep in full, full. But what I liked about what you said as well is, so I was going to go for therapy when I was in, so I started it in Australia, but I done it over Zoom, but only because I didn't want to do therapy with a fucking well-off Aussie that would absolutely not understand the fucking Glaswegian boy that grew up with a, True. Grew up with a schizophrenic mum. They were not going to get that. So I went with him, but he, he, straight away told me he was like look this will be hard and he was like you same way you tell your clients have got you've got to do it otherwise nothing will change he was like whatever i kind of give you you've got to do it and like i just he wasn't like pushy he only said it once and that was enough for me to go right he's not gonna take any sort of shit if i don't do what he gives me after if you know what i mean yeah and uh but he was he was also really understanding at the same time but i kind of treated therapy like my work if you know what i mean yeah one of the things that was said to me was like if you if you hadn't have done the homeworks you wouldn't have got through this as quickly yeah so like i i generally i probably have an element of type a yeah and that if i want to do something i'll do it properly if i don't want to do something not fucking happening it's like when i got tested for adhd at school i was like he wants to he doesn't want like he knows what's going on he just doesn't be here teach him something that he wants to actually um well my driving force was i wanted to i didn't see me being able to ever get in a healthy relationship without us yeah without doing it so i I didn't want to be one and one like there and then i wanted to be capable of one down the line yeah but that makes sense and i think once you actually start with your own self and say right accepting the story rather than using whatever story it is as a way to self-destruct or use it as a reason for not doing things uh it's a hell of a lot easier to actually open it up if you understand why and you come at peace with that story rather than being a victim it's a hell of a lot easier but yeah, if like three months and he just started like actually like prying yeah and it was it was horrendous and i i would say that's the lowest my mood's been for like the last three or four years but then you get out the other end of it but it honestly is, it was do you need to go through that it was way worse than like how I felt before going for therapy. I always a nap after therapy. Those ones, I couldn't do any work for that full month. It was like free, free done with me that were. He was just constantly pushing back on stuff I was saying, because I'd always like defend my mum if you know what I mean. But he was like, "Yeah, but like, you can't defend it." And then I was just like, "I'm fucked." <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just, yeah. I don't mean I'm fucked as in like I'm broken. I'm just mean like mentally like. I had to go sit in a park for like f- four hours one day, just cry where all, all the dogs kept coming up to me as well. And I'd be like, <laughs> fucking crying my eyes out. But it was horrific. And I felt like felt like the same sensation I felt when I've been burnt out or anything like that as well. It just felt like I didn't want to do anything. Yeah, I've had burnout a couple of times since going into the industry as I like, yeah. especially with PTs, it was like working 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah. Uh, I got to the point that I was, when I was- like, Is this in person, you mean? Yeah. 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. fully booked, so it was all great. Um, and then December, no, November, November 19, so just before COVID, 
I was the day at the morning of my graduation. I was flying over from my graduation from my nutrition course. Uh, I had a big PT clients before I was flying over at lunchtime. I crashed my car on the way to the gym. Crashed it into the wall. Literally about. I've actually never said this. Uh, about three hundred meters from my family home. Uh, crashed it into the wall. Um, luckily, someone else had got there ahead of me. Someone else had crashed the wall into that same wall. Probably about <laughs> three weeks before around. So they done it. <laughs> if the wall. Was, so, yeah. Uh, drove down to the gym. Did my clients and my client was like, "You look very pale." I was like, "Yeah, probably it's just having shock or whatever." Uh, and then went to the. I can see the tape you now. <laughs> Still getting to the clients. Compartmentalize things and deal with shit later. Yeah, fucking yeah. So went down to the clients. Did, did, did the three clients back to back. Went home and I was like, "Right, I've got an hour here to get a nap in and then go to the airport and stuff." And literally couldn't concentrate at all when I was like at the graduate. I couldn't enjoy the graduation in any way. I was like. What the fuck's happening? I'm gonna have to leave the industry. I'm gonna have to leave the industry. I'm gonna have to leave the industry. So I'd I'd say uh, that was on the Friday, and on the Monday, I handed in my notice into the gym saying I was leaving and going fully online. Okay. And that was December. Yeah, that was. The, yeah, I think it was like the end of December, end of November into December. So that was ten weeks before COVID hit the hit the world. So like, do you think that's a blessing for you? That COVID, like did that help you build online? I had. A, I was kind of doing hybrid as they call it i kind of were doing the. i yeah. never done full-time in person i only done a hybrid yeah because so I, I i started the first lockdown so i had to build online first yeah and then i went fuck up i'm half online anyway i'm but i'm gonna do in person to get hours at, in the gym so yeah. i'll i never seen that as my full-time business ever okay yeah no, so i was doing majority of my business was face to face and then online i was kind of like, i'm gonna lose all my clients so i said the, i said what was going on at the time to the clients and i'd say about 70 percent came with me one-to-one so it's like right i've got this level of revenue to keep me going i'll be fine and then kind of just put it out on social media saying i've got open up five slots they were gone within the day and uh, when the algorithm was favorable <laughs> um, <laughs> now you need to do a lot of tricks yeah now you, you know. need to like get me mic on the end of the water bottle and you'll be fine Fuck's sake. <laughs> too old for this shit <laughs> Um, so yeah, then left the industry and then kind of doing it fully online now since since twenty. No, yeah, I'm confused. The years twenty was COVID, wasn't it? So yeah, nineteen, the end of nineteen to now. So fully online four years next month. So what what are the burnouts? Like so that's burnout, be quite that was good. One burnout because it's the exams for that course and then working the nine the five a.m. to nine p.m. Yeah, working the the clients all the back to back plus the course. Plus, trying to keep the business going, just completely burnt out. Let a lot of PTs listen to this. So, like we we've done, me and Dale and James done full topics where we talk about just like advice for personal trainers and stuff. I never want to go down the mentorship route or anything like that. So, a lot of people message me saying, "Is this the start of the transition?" I'm like, "Absolutely transitioning." No, absolutely. Fuck <laughs> off. I I would not. I never want to go down. I just don't feel like me coaching coaches will be something that I'll enjoy doing. But I like still putting stuff out there that will help people because I think this industry needs it anyway. Like any help from anyone that's doing all right. There's a lot of plastic people in the industry. Because it's also very hard to make it like it is. I don't think it's that difficult in terms of if you actually put effort in, but as in trying to find trustworthy sources that isn't just about like getting you better at sales. 
because even just how to set up your business like it's so flawed going in a gym and doing mornings and nights even just but that's what most people do yeah. but that's just such a fucked business model that you work the opposite hours to everyone else because that's essentially what you do that is yeah i remember like i was up at 5 a.m first client would be 5 35 in the morning and then the last client would probably be at 8 p.m or half eight and then you'd be coming back in the next morning and you'd be like wondering why you could have no energy for social and then you go your your do your client check-in you go why are you not getting enough sleep yeah, and then you're like, <laughs> you're fried. Why are you not eating enough food? I was like, why are you not eating regularly during the day? Like, why are you so fucked? It's like, no wonder. Like, it, it just, it is hard. Um, it. I'm not looking for sympathy. And we're not looking for sympathy, but it is a difficult industry. Um, I think it is hard to stand out from the crowd. It is hard to try to be one of the good guys and actually give a shit about your clients because it's very easy to go right. Here's my glute builder program i'm not gonna give a shit about the clients but i'll get loads of money in or here's my six-pack shred program i'm gonna put you on 1200 calories and you're gonna have no libido but everyone's gonna buy it that's unfortunately way people are wired the people who are buying the stuff are also wired that way they want the quick fix and people will play on that emotion of that insecurity of those pain points that people hold in on and they'll latch onto them and latch onto them and they're pushing them in people's throats and people unfortunately will buy for them because they're so lost in that moment they want to improve themselves but same thing even happens with the algorithm so i i said it a few times like the sort of videos that are do, even from people that are coming at it from probably the right sort of mindset like helping people long term but when you do catchy sort of weight loss videos that are for the algorithm where you're doing stuff all you're sort of playing on is weight loss and then it's still and there the videos are going to get the most views so even it's just like a it's like a hamster wheel where the same thing happens just in different ways every time social media evolves the tricks evolve but it's still the same tricks it's the same trick and it's just it's just in a different method it could be a reel it could be a canva thing it could be a whatever it may be but people will just like it's just yeah it's just the catchiness of it it's the same shit well, what have you found like so how many different business models have you sort of tried then so you've done like face-to-face -face, then purely one-on-one -on -one online you do some sort of group coaching uh, in terms of being like someone running a business what have you found has been like the most easy to manage so yeah i've done one-to-one -one, i've done the hybrids i've gone fully online and then i've done with online i've been fully on one-to-one -one, and now i've got a group on one-to-one -one. I prefer the group and the one-to-one -one as a so now it's kind of like the group coaching is an entry level cheap level for people to come into to see how it works to get the basic knowledge to actually understand like is it going to lose you 30 pounds in six weeks or eight weeks whatever it is no but it's going to make you understand that you can have your weekends you can have your fun and still get the results you're looking for and the one-to-one -one is the next level on that if you want to push your results improve your relationship with food improve your mental health push things to the next level for yourself or whatever that may be and actually get to the like deep root cause of why you overeat in the evening why you stress eat so the the, the, the group is entry level the one-to-one -one is proper getting into the deep roots of why stuff people do things and do you find you can still get achievable results with the group coaching 
or do you find a lot of people then realize they want one-to-one because that's what i've always been a bit apprehensive of doing any sort of well if you've got group coaching you've got coaches there you'll still be able to help them one-on-one a wee bit if you know what i mean but i've always been sort of against doing apps or i won't do an app like an app an app is an awful lot of money and i won't do it that way i have one of my clients actually created the the program for me right so she was like this is what i would have needed at this time and she's been with me for five years or whatever work for you so no no she just did it i was kind of like she works as a business analyst and she was like i can create the document for you with all the algorithms hidden so people kind of enter in their details and they get it updated and we just do the check-ins on a weekly basis. So is it an app? No, it's an Excel sheet. Oh, okay. So the the group is an Excel sheet. Um, and it's really simple. They enter in their name, they enter in their weight, they enter in their activity levels and their, cal- their calories got calculated for them automatically. Right. Their macros are tailored to them. It's like, well, you do this, do this, do this. And then they fill in the information. They fill in their little patch of what they've been struggling with or what their wins for the week is and then we give them their feedback but they're based in a facebook group they get weekly lives they get exactly what they need they get the support they need they can ask any questions on the group that they need and then the next level is the one-to-one where they can contact um on whatsapp monday to friday they get a lot more hand-holding everything's a lot more personalized yeah with the one-to-one because it's impossible to personalize it for that amount of people in a group Oh yeah, you definitely can't do it. But but I, th- but I think but some people will never go one on one or like they no. Will- and, I, and I've had clients who have done four or five of the groups and they're happy enough with that. They're like, I know what I need to do. This is a le- this is just my accountability piece. I know I'm not. I know I can do the one to one if I want, but I'm content enough with this. I know if I need to message you and say I want to go one to one, you'll let me in. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like I prefer I, the one to one is I. I prefer it because it's it's getting to know the individual and how they work and how they tick. It's a lot more challenging for the individual and me as a coach. That uh, mentally. Mentally. And I think that's the hard part because sometimes you want to help someone so much and then they're not ready yet, you know, like with ourselves. Like, oh, you know, wait, I, I have the exact same struggle. Yeah, but I think all coaches have that. There's always going to be clients that are amazing and there's always going to be clients that are maybe not ready or have other things going on and then we'll either ghost you, uh, which says a lot more about the person than themselves because we've all been ghosted by clients. Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> never. Uh, but the ghosting thing is, I think I got ghosted like about three weeks ago by a client um, and I messaged her, I was like, That's, and she, she has a, a job that where like it wouldn't be um encouraged to from what i say like she's a teacher right um or she's a fucking principal of a school um so like if one of our one of our students was ghosting yeah. or gaslighting she wouldn't be overly happy and i kind of just sent her an email saying look i understand you don't do this anyway that's fine but the ghosting element is frankly quite disgusting yeah uh, and that's not really on and she sent me a message back saying, just kept being quite angry. I was like, I'm just saying how it is. It's it's quite frankly disgusting. It says a lot you, a lot be- bit more about you. And people might be surprised that I was kind of hitting it head on with the, cl- the client. I was like, blocked me on WhatsApp. And then yeah. sent me an email, sent me a message on WhatsApp first, then blocked me on WhatsApp. Uh, so I couldn't reply to it, even though there was a question at the end of it. Mm. And then emailed me and then blocked me on social media 
and then blocked me. That's kind of like, so I emailed them and kind of said, right, this, like the ghosting thing is, it's more like you're scared of, you're judging yourself more and you're protecting yourself. So like, I'm going to shut down here. Yeah. I'm going to like just completely go inward and not deal with my shit ever. That's essentially what ghosting is for people when they're doing it with a coach. It's like when people don't enter the stuff. It's in. the same when someone goes someone dating wise anyway, don't it? Yeah, it says a lot more about the other person. Like the other person's obviously hurt. Yeah. It says a lot more about the individual than the person. Um, yeah, it's just, I think that's the bit people don't see. And I also th I think people, I'm not trying to look for the sympathy card again, but people can forget that this is how we make our living. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've found like the thing that will annoy me the most is like if you have someone on for six, I've had people on for like six months and then you'll like say thank you for coming on or whatever and they don't reply to it. Don't get me wrong, you get amazing clients, but there's also one or two that will come in and kind of rock the car a little bit and they take a lot more brain power. And it's just, I, I have to get better at not letting getting it as personal as it does or not feeling as a personal attack but that's coming that's leading back to what we spoke about earlier that's that validation that's the acceptance piece that's looking for that's me looking for acceptance from them yeah and that's not fair on them either yeah but it works two ways that's one thing that i want to work on next year is trying to calm myself down with clients but I'd, i never take it i never really take anything out on them i'll more just being i'll probably get more annoyed at myself yeah it's like what could i have done better okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like i'll think about every single avenue that i could have took a conversation or maybe like i've got them to do something where like maybe they weren't ready for that that sort of thing and i do get a wee bit worked up about it but i'm never do think i've ever really had a i'd won i'd done an offer last year and i got all of them to do in-person sessions and one of them she hadn't been to the gym she started that week she hadn't been uh she hadn't done a workout yet and it was like saturday and then she'd booked in for an in-person session she texted me the night before she was like oh i forgot i was childminding i was like nah fuck off <laughs> like, yeah but sometimes you have to protect yourself like but she she blocked me on everything as well but she was trying to like i was like fuck, you knew you were ch like you you obviously aren't childminding and i've took kind of and they the way i do my one-on-one -on -one is if you start one-on-one -on -one online you get a free in-person session and it's more like a workshop about how you're to use your program so essentially i'm doing like i'm doing it for free because half my clients yeah. never do it because they, they're not from glasgow so i'm like it's pretty much a free session yeah and i've booked an hour out of my time and you cancelled on me the night before and i find that really that victimhood mentality of like i'm a cunt because i've called you out on it i find that hard to deal with as well yeah i think and i've and I, we've all had that when clients cancel sessions and stuff. And I think if you're open and honest with them and kind of saying, right, this is, it's not fair. Like, obviously, if you have kind of like. I've got a two strike policy with it. I always have. I have a two strike policy with no check-ins. And then yeah. people find it, well, I'm paying you. It's like, well, if you're paying me, why are you not doing the check-ins? Like, well, if, if, it's a, if it's a breakdown in me or if I'm not providing the service up to your level, I'll happily have a chat with you and we'll discuss it and be like adults and stuff and actually open it up. But often it's not, it's like, oh, there's something else going on. When you get when you actually get an answer back from them on it like i think people can forget that like i'm so emotionally invested i actually give a shit about my clients it's not i just i just don't want just a big transformation photo i want you to actually do i want you to actually be compete be at your best 
and be actually come out of this saying, right, this was the best thing I've ever done for myself. My kids have their mom back or I've got a better relationship for food. I'm able to go and get the ride or whatever it may be. <laughs> You're actually able to enjoy your life again. That's for me is more important than any transformation photo. The transformation photos are great for marketing. And I'm in that limbo now of like, will I do any more transformation photos and post them up on social media? I'm in that I'm, I'm, stage. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> I've made the decision. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, I, I'm finished. I'm over there. I'm a. Uh, I think I'm finished with transformation photos. I'm. I'm going to try the client testimonials or transformations in other ways, like posting people's lifts and more stuff like that. Yeah, and I think like I find now the the client pieces that I like the most are the the client episode of the podcast. So I know I've got one tomorrow. And to say that girl's transformation or woman's transformation is mentally, is like talking to two different people. Yeah, I'd love even just hearing it more being described as like their story, do you know what I mean? But that's it, like it's kind of like when you sometimes, like I'll only ever ask clients that I feel I have a story and then like you talk to them and kind of like, they feel like I don't have a story. And I was talking to this client in particular and I was kind of like, that's good if you don't want to do it. But I feel like if you look at what we've achieved from when you first started, you've done this, 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 this. And she was like, oh, it's like, yeah, sometimes we can just be feel that we're not worthy of doing yeah. it or that the, the, the whole anticipation of putting yourself out there or telling your story because you're not ready to deal with it, which can happen. That can kind of blur the lines a little bit. And I'm excited to see I, it's excited to see the conversation tomorrow and see how it goes. I reckon you get more clients off of stuff like that than I they're the most anyway. downloaded episodes are the are client they? episodes yeah um because because people are desperate to hear someone that's been in their position like and, and but everyone and but really no, see how they've done it and i no, think transformation is such a visual word do you know what i mean whereas you can actually hear how what someone's been through sort of thing yeah and it's 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 also like it's realizing that your own problems are not your own like someone else may have that social anxiety around food when they're ace and about with their friends or they may have that food guilt or the drink when they may have their they may be struggling with stress eating or they may not feel comfortable in their clothes that's kind of understanding like right it is possible to get out the other sides but it's also not as maybe a huge undertaking as you're maybe thinking it is with a little bit of guidance in the right direction a little bit of that kind of like i don't know some some awkward conversations to skirt around it can be done um, and I find that more rewarding as a coach for when someone comes out and just sends you a message of like, like I've had clients have said they've been told by doctors that they can't have kids and then they had H HA for years I was kind of like well why don't we try and do this this and this and now that client has baby boys twins and by tweaking one or two things because they hadn't done anything just looking after themselves we, we brought in a supplement we reduced their stress significantly we got them to eat that a little bit more and don't get me wrong that whole psychological aspect of eating more for where that person was uh was was huge and now she's got two gorgeous baby boys they're the that's the most are. rewarding ones it's not the transformation photos it's funny because the more the most difficult clients in the beginning if you get them 
over the line. If you get the breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, right that's all we're looking for. I'm, we're little dopamine fucking freaks. Oh, we just, just we want me. to help. Feed the, my ego. <laughs> feed me. The most difficult client we want to help because they're they're the most rewarding. But I've also realized now in the last maybe 12 months, 18 months, it's kind of like knowing when to know when that person's not wanting to do this and step away and say, right, Shane, you need to protect yourself here. Like I can only help so much if that person's not willing to or not wanting to or not ready to. It's kind of like being ready and being okay with stepping away that you've done everything you can, but it's actually being open and honest with yourself and not being deprecating to yourself and saying, right, and being a prick to yourself saying, why did you do this? Why did you do this? Actually saying, right, could it tweak this? Could we have worried this? And actually not being a dick to yourself on the whole thing and being okay with stepping away from clients if they're, taking an awful lot of brain power because so it can happen avoiding perfectionism as a coach as well and that's what you're trying to do because i sort of now give myself because a lot like I, I don't know what a good percentage just even getting someone in a better place is but like that might not be anywhere near as high as people think it is it might only be like 50 60 percent where you get them to a better place depends where you're at but like the idea that 99 percent of your clients are going to be like way way better yeah. i think that's just an absolute it's jobs way harder than that do you know what i mean like a lot, i bet you there's a lot of client a lot of pts out there that like 10 20 percent of them are doing well until they have the skill set and then you're getting up like five percent each time i do find that we're kind of in a era when people and maybe it's the mentors of kind of like it's more important to get more people in the door rather than actually serve the ones you have like it's a lot less effort from a psychological aspect. So like if you can't f help them, fuck them off, get someone else in, do you mean? Yeah, or else if you're more prepared to have 50 clients, but you can only actually serve 30 to the best of your ability, you're more interested in getting another 20 so your revenue goes up and forgetting the other 30, rather than actually keeping the 30 and keeping the 30 for six, seven months. That's gonna keep you fed, that's gonna keep you well, that's gonna keep the roof over your head and actually focusing on that. Too many coaches are taught by mentors that they need to get more clients, get more clients, get more clients. You need to have a VA, you need to have an admin person, you need to have a videographer, you need systemize. to have, systemize, synergy, whatever the uh -huh. fucking buzzwords are. But that's what coaches are taught. And like, no wonder people feel hard done by when they get a shit coach, because I can assure you there are a lot of them. A majority. Yeah. I think it's getting better though. I genuinely do think. I do think it's getting the better. The last year or two, I'd say it's got better. I think since COVID, it has got better. Yeah. I, I think, said this in a podcast the other day. I think, I genuinely do love him or hate him. I think James Smith has had a more positive. Like, oh, James has changed the game in a he, positive light. He's brought a lot more people that understand things in rather than it being. I, I, like, I feel like most. I was talking to Dale about this the other day. The idea that you do like cal calories then photos every week measurements and it's all been a spreadsheet and that's all you do and then the one check-in and it all being about fat loss and the transformation photo after 12 weeks even the free monthly block that's all really outdated it's all just been like that's the way everyone's done it and then it's always been that's how it's been taught but i think he changed how everyone sort of thinks about their business model as well and the way that coaches are a lot more it's about 
no, let's understand their problems instead of just give them this solution. And if they don't follow the solution, then it's their problem. I remember going to a talk by given by James and Darren in London. And one of the things he says, like, if you can't explain why you're talking to, to a client like they're a five year old, you don't understand it. So you can't be teaching people if you can't understand it. There's no point in you just reading books and books and books and books and books and never actually applying any of it with your clients or any of it applying it to yourself. I think most studies are pointless in this job, to be honest. I genuinely do. I've read plenty, but I, just, I don't think I can't really the majority remember. Majority of them, like I think you, I think you do need to know surface level basics, but I don't think you need to know like the certain range on a bench press for Mary down the road where her pecs are going to be like. I need to get Mary to go in the gym, <laughs> basically, <laughs> or go for a walk. I need to get Mary to like me. <laughs> to then go to the i think those skills are way more well i mean you do see those pts in there that their their clients do turn up to every session but their information is absolutely woeful when they're just friends and they're but, some, but at least they're exercising like i remember having clients and they'd be like shane i'm just paying you to, i'm just paying to chat to you i was like as long as we're open <laughs> <laughs> that's cool with me it's like i'm not here to kind of get shredded i'm just here to do my three sessions with you a week and kind of lift a bit of weights, get out of the house, get away from the kids and actually have a chat. And I was like, do you know what? I respect that. Yeah. That's kind of like, you're not putting undue pressure on yourself. And do you know what? Th those kind of, those clients actually got what they wanted out of it. They got stronger. They felt better in the clothes. They felt more confident. They were the, they were the interesting ones. Kind of like, no, I'm being candid with you there. I just literally just want to get strong. I want to have a chat. And we don't talk about those people enough, though, because you might actually really had a positive impact on them. I remember that six months you worked with them, even if you're just working out with them, they might still be going to the gym and you they would have never went if they never done sessions. I remember I had a 75-year-old, 76-year-old woman, Jean. She was like my mother. Yeah. Uh, I had her as a client. I remember in the gym I used to work in, it was a chain of gyms, and they, they actually highlighted her as a client because she was, it was like the gym I was in was kind of full of, young people with big glutes and all that kind of stuff and Jean would rock in lifting more than most of them and like genuinely she put a lot of them to shame it was like it was just nice to actually have a conversation with a human yeah. and not talking about superficial stuff she was like she'd actually give you proper advice she'd give you uh, it was really nice but she she kind of led by example she like I remember doing that um, that video for that the gym I was working at the time using her as an example but she was just there. She wants to get out of the house to be stronger, lead by example. Her daughters used to do the classes as well with her. Uh, it was great. It was a community aspect for her. It was a family aspect for her. She just wants to feel better and just have a chat. Like. And those are the ones that you need to remember, isn't it? Like so the longer you work, you need to like, I found myself this year pulling myself back going, right, you don't need to like do anything more. Just remember why you started the job. Pro you probably, do, you, I definitely have lost. Like I haven't genuinely thought about that for a long time. About those kind of clients that came in, just like you, you can kind of focus. We all focus in on the negative quite easily because it's really easy to do. About the kind of the difficult awkward clients, but you forget about the ones that have actually impacted on you as well. And kind of like you've learned from them about certain things and certain things you should be saying, or they've given you advice on certain things. Because there's always some. There's always someone out there that can can help you as well and guide you. It's not all about us having to help all the time. They can help you as well. Well, you learn. I think as a, the, the biggest learning you do 
as a coach is from the mistakes you make anyway. And boy, have I made a lot of them. Yeah, loads. Like when I look back at the, the I, I found recently the initial PT programs I gave out when I first started. Mate, I, I actually think I'd be I physically like, sick of that. How someone didn't die. I didn't. And like I found the old pricing sheet I used to have for uh, one-to-one coaching. I was like, this is so fucking tacky. <laughs> and then I remember like, I got like a, I think there was like a Lenovo iPad or something like that. I had all the programs and that. So I was like, I was the shit. I was like, I was looking at the, the cover. I was like, I literally am a 40 year old man. So <laughs> I just, it's like one of those flip phone ones. It's <laughs> like, fuck's sake. But like, yeah, it's just funny looking at it now, looking back. Right, the last sort of bit I want to go into, like you seem, so I'm really big with like reframing the way people, even just like I've always done this since I started coaching, was just pick the way people word things and just try like even bring it up to them. Not even necessarily go, you need to say it like this, but just like picking the way people word things. So like you've said stuff like on podcasts or what I've just wrote it down. I just want to ask you more in detail about it. So like I think you said one that when people say I'm an emotional eater, you're you're not, you're someone who eats emotionally. I'm glad that is an actual quote. <laughs> I didn't just it's make it up. Yeah, if cool. you want to go into more detail about that. Yeah, so it's kinda of like when we were talking earlier about kind of like that kind of story and the victim mode that we would fall into, they kinda of, it's kind of like if people kind of say that they're an emotional leader, they identify as it. So that means it justifies the action. It's like, well, that's not what really the problem is. It's like you're not an emotional leader. You're someone who eats emotionally is almost kind of taking a step back from it and saying, well, all humans eat emotionally. Birthdays, Christmas, um, communions, whatever it may be. We all do it. And I think there's some element of it there's a, that we can latch on to that story of like, I'm an emotional eater. I'm not going to deal with my stuff. So I'm going to behave like this continuously because I don't want to deal with any of it. So it becomes a justification for the action rather than actually believing it itself. But it does become a truth over time. It's like, I'm an emotional eater. I, I'm i a stress eater or I'm not good enough. Whenever I ask this, that, that question to someone, like, define good enough. No one can ever define it. It's like, well, do you mean with training or do you mean with nutrition? It's like, no, no, no. Define, tell me what good enough means and no one can do it because it's so good enough to you will be different to me. Good enough for me is being there for my family and being there for my girlfriend. Anything else not as a bonus. I don't need anything else. I have everything else. I don't need anything else, but that's taken 36 years to realize that. But some people will never get to that, unfortunately. So when people talk about like, oh, I'm an emotional eater, it's like, no, no, no. You're someone who eats emotionally when they don't know how or unable to or want to specifically avoid in a feeling that they don't want to deal with because you've never been taught how to deal with it or you're intentionally stress eating or numbing something. But it can also be like when people start talking about like the fucker put as well, like, oh, I've overeaten the weekend. The fucker button is just another way for you to justify your actions as a way to describe it rather than actually saying and trying to null in and trying to hone in on why you do the action to avoid the responsibility yeah it's kind of like oh i just press the fucking button it's like no you've overeaten it's a way to make yourself feel better about yeah it's a justification for the action it's kind of like 
I now I know this is a label of it. I'm going to keep saying this and this is my way to do it. I know I'm going to press the fuck a button the weekend. No, no, no. That's you telling yourself to press the fuck a button the weekend. It's like when people say, oh, I might go to for a walk. It's like, you're not going to go for that walk because you've already given yourself a permission to not do it. People, I said the word might. I'll pick up on that. Like, team, when people say, I'll try, I'm yeah, like, let's, cha- let's change that. But I, but that's only something that I've kind of... But see, when people say, I'll I'll do my best or I'll, I'll give it a go, I always try, like, I always try to deal with that there and then as well. Because I think they were already, they're already like at that button. Yeah, yeah they're kind of like one foot out. But there's also when people come to me, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a really, really annoying client. It's like, oh, I just don't take them don't on. Don't be. Oh, no, I just say, I, I, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Off you trot. <laughs> but, it's, but people will say, like, I'm going to be a really annoying client. I'm going to be the worst client you've ever had. It's like, no, you won't. Challenge accepted. <laughs> You're a sociopath with stuff like that. You love this more than me. Like, that's the story, bro. <laughs> come at me. It's like yeah, I've had worse. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Have you? Okay. Yeah. So like, but people like, like, I don't get wrong. I was full of my own shit for thirty years. But I think it's because I was full of my own shit for thirty years. It's kind of like I'm think that gives you a better understanding of what people are actually saying in their head. I think I genuinely think because I went through my own shit for so long, it probably makes me a lot more empathetic and wanting to help people. Probably sometimes a detriment to my own health of trying to help people more. I genuinely think that's why I'm in the industry, to help people. But sometimes it can't come at a cost of causing too much stress or causing burnouts or whatever it may be. And I was trying to find that line. I find found that line now. And I know if I push over that line with the amount of clients I get, I'm like, this is going to fall pretty quick. So. Yeah, I don't mean to bring up the watch again, but I did. My resting heart rate was fifty, right? And I've only got it since last night. I started working before you came, and I just was, I was reading a message that I told you about earlier, and I was up at seventy-eight. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, was sitting. The message say? <laughs> I was sitting in the. I told you about it. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the one? Yeah. that I said they can't control. I don't want to mention it. Yeah, that's good. That's mad. But so it goes up to it jumped up twenty. That's just from re- so, so reading one message that clearly tells me that I'd like take on things too much. But I think we can we can all. It's, there's nothing wrong with taking something personally. It's do I have an issue with people taking offense to things because people want to be offended. It's like you have to value that person's opinion over your own to take that opinion. Like my dad says, like opinions are like ourselves. Everyone has one. But yeah, I've heard that plenty of times. But you, sorry, I, my brain went because I just thought about something else. Yeah. But because Paul, Paul said something, who's my therapist? Like I was saying, like one of my exes made me feel a certain way, and he was like, "Let's change. Let me walk you through that right now." They didn't make you feel like that. Like you have t- taken. A context that you already like you've put it in a framework that you already believe yeah and you've made yourself feel that way and he was like also by the way like you should have absolutely left her <laughs> but like already but like she didn't make you feel that way you allowed yourself to be in that situation you made yourself but feel words that way. have no meaning yeah that's what he was getting to. yeah and i remember i remember the therapist saying sharon saying that to me as well. i was like words have no meaning unless like if if i called you a carrot right now you're like no offense yeah. but if i called you a worthless piece of shit 
you would take offense to that or something or some other word I can come up with from what you've just said. But you would take offense to that because you've got this data point. You've got created a story and belief in your head somewhere that if someone else says it, it must be true. Confirmation bias. Yeah. And that's what people do is like if someone's had been bullied as a kid or comments have been made about their weight and they're like, I feel fat or you're worthless because you're fat or you have weight issues or you're pig ugly or whatever it may be. And someone else says that to them over time. They're like, oh my God, that's that's like, it's almost like having a piece of paper and having a, a biro and drawing the line lightly. And more people say it, the more people say it, that line gets thicker and thicker and thicker and more ingrained into the page. That's what happens with stories. We start to repeat them over in our head and over in our psyche. But if you actually dissect it, nothing about us is actually true. Nothing about us is true. If you want to go really into it, our names aren't even our names. <laughs> Don't fry my head. <laughs> but if you really, really want to go into it, yeah. the ego and all this kind of stuff, our names aren't even our names. They're a label given to us. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fry my head. No, yeah, because I'm just saying, I'm a what am I? <laughs> Carrot. Who, 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 who am I? Do I even support what Celtic? Yeah. Or was that ingrained in me? Yeah. Um, before... There was one question that I did really want to, like, because these are the things that I think about. So, like, when, see stuff you were talking about, I don't know if you need to get to a certain point, because just say when I was, so when I was overweight when I was young and I just wanted to lose weight, so I thought that would make me happy, yada, 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 same fucking stories, every cunt else. Yeah. I wouldn't, I couldn't even comprehend what you're talking about. Yeah. And try to get someone to zoom out. Yeah. And see that like how how would you go about that conversation like obviously i do this with clients or i try yeah but it's one of the biggest challenges because even trying to i remember i was saying a client i had a client called sharon last year and she still messaged me and she still like tells me every time she's put on weight and stuff and i've tried every fuck i've tried i've got my handbook i've tried everything and i don't i don't know how to get her to i've told her i think she really needs to go for therapy um but I was trying to tell her, I was like, your thoughts aren't, like, your thoughts aren't r real things. Like, they aren't facts. Yeah. And she was like, no, but I believe them. And I was like, that's only because you choose to believe them as well. And she just, like, she wouldn't get it. I was like, I want you to, like, actually write down stuff. Because I was like, some of the stuff you say, I'll tell you from my point of view, are ridiculous and they're not true. So if you write them, I tend to find if I write them down, yeah. I can see where I'm killing myself. Because if it's if it's in my head, it'll just circle round. Yeah. Whereas if I get it out my head on a paper, I can go, right, the, that thought is doing me zero service whatsoever. And even though I can't be like, get it out of my head straight away, I can be aware of it and go, all right, that thought's back. And even the awareness is like the first starting to get yeah, over so it. Like, but awareness like, awareness is the piece the, the 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 key to discovery and i think if you actually write it out on a piece of paper and sometimes it helps with clients and this is what i got taught how to do is divide a page into two left hand side this therapy facts, taught you this right hand side opinion now write out whatever you're thinking into which kylie would associates with you'll soon realize that 99 percent of the shit that's going on is a is completely opinion none of it actually has any reality but if you actually write it out, people are very good. at when people are saying, well, I've, oh, my head's really busy, I can't sleep. It's like, well, what are you doing to get it out? It's like a, it's like a Guinness can with a widget. It just keeps rattling and rattling and rattling. You need to get it out. It needs to be released. 
it needs to actually be written down. You can actually see it there. It's kind of like, because I found my old journals because one of the big things I had to do at the time was journaling. I haven't journaled in ages. I, I still do it. I just, I just, <coughs> I, I, it got me to a point, but I just felt that point has kind of passed now. If I need to figure something out, I'm comfortable enough now to talk about it. So I'll be like, I'll do both. Yeah. <coughs> and what, it's whatever works for, for the individual. I'll either, if I go home for kind of the, the Sunday dinner to my folks, I'll talk to my parents about it or I'll talk to my partner about it. I'll, I'll ring one of the lads and say, this is what's going on. That wasn't me. I just held, held up for so long. But I found that really big exercise of factory opinion is really, really useful. It's kind of like if you're going for a job, it's like weighing up the pros and the cons. It's that kind of list. Is that <clears throat> CBT? Is that, yeah, is that CBT? So I, yeah, I got, I, I got CBT'd. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, but same sort of thing. I, I just had to write that, write, write, wrote down all my thoughts and label. There was like one to ten different things. So it was like, oh, is this all or nothing thinking? Is it labels? And then you just go through, like, say it was like six different thoughts I had, yeah. and you lab, you tick all the boxes, and you can get that. It's so it's amazing what how that. Because it doesn't, people will be like, because people will even, I bet you people think, well, I know they will, quick fixes with therapy as well. Like you've done six months of it. You'll get. But I've gone back to it. Like it hasn't been six months and that's it. It was six months. And then I was going back probably every couple of months to them or to Sharon. And then I haven't been in a while. Or she doesn't do therapy. She's not, she doesn't practice anymore. Um, but. I've tried the odd time, so I, the odd time I'm like, will I go back? And the, what stops me is one is the price of it <laughs> because it's just mental. It's gone up by about forty percent from when I was there. I was fifty quid an hour. What? One it was a hundred quid an hour when I was doing it. So I think it's about one hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty quid. Oh, an hour it's now. expensive. So I was like, if if I really, I, but I I do think that for something to change for someone weight loss, life, whatever it is, nothing's really going to change until you get uncomfortable enough or something happens. Unfortunately, that's what's going to work for people. I wouldn't have changed if I hadn't got sick. I wouldn't be here if I didn't get sick. Yeah. I but, but think people won't change until they get uncomfortable enough. And they get to a point where people are like, oh, I'm going to start going to the gym. It's like, no, you won't. <laughs> because you're not... That's yeah. why that's why a breakup's so good for some people, isn't it? Yeah. Breakup probably helped me a lot. Yeah, and sometimes even though it was the worst fucking thing I've oh, ever done. It's horrible. It. It's but, disgusting. It's horrible. But at the same time, you're kinda of like I look back now, it's like that person that I that I was, I was such a dick in that relationship. Mm. Like oh I was so <clears throat> lost and all I was talking about was giving out and all this kind of stuff. I was like I can see why the rows are happening. I can see why they like, why those discussions are happening because I was bringing up stuff that was not related to what we were doing or the potential future that was going to be there. It was all about poor me, poor me, poor me. I was making it about me when it had to be about us. Yeah. But that's looking back with nearly nine years looking back at it. But I think people will only ever change until they get uncomfortable enough, unfortunately. I think that's a good note to end on. <clears throat> and 
I will forever be trying to figure out how to get them to do that without them having to have a blood clot. <laughs> yeah, don't do blood clots. Yeah. Don't, I would, do, don't from, do fluid on your lungs. Not fun. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine so. But yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Shane has actually flown all the way from Dublin as well, by the way, which we'll, I'll mention it in the intro. But thank you very much. Thank you very I much. I appreciate it. I